Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. Happy to be with you as always. Uh, we have an intriguing show for you today. We have Meredith Wise. She is the president of the Employers Association of the Northeast. Meredith, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, George. How are you doing? I'm oh, doing okay. Okay is, is pretty good these days. Um, you don't do much better than okay. That's Maybe on true. some good days, but uh, we want to talk about that a little bit. Um, the Employers Association of the Northeast, obviously, is an employers association. I want you to talk about that for a few minutes very briefly. And then we want to get into this pandemic and the issues that are facing employers. Uh, the scene is changing a little bit, but the challenges that were there last spring are, are still with us there today. And now we have some new ones tanked on top of those and some more challenges coming down the road. This is must be a very difficult but um, intriguing time for you. Uh, this is what you're here for, after all. This is your it, mission. So don't let me talk about it. You talk about it. Tell <laughs> us about the Employers Association and uh, a brief history, if you will. Okay, great. Um, yeah, we are here to help employers with any type of people challenge and issue that they may be facing. The Employers Association has been around since the late 1800s, um, serving organizations in this area. Um, again, with anything people related, certainly with compliance related issues, which are a big piece right now, um, trying to stay compliant with all of the rules and regulations that are out there, uh, but also with best practices. Um, because as many of your other guests have talked about, and you certainly know, George, with what you do at Business West, a company needs to go beyond compliance. They need to really put in place policies and practices that are going to attract and retain the talent that they need. And we help with all of that. Uh, we help them with all of the HR-related pieces as well as training uh, their employees. So as you and I have talked about now, um, our business has really been um, very hectic uh, for the last six months or so as everything kind of came to a standstill on March 16th. Um, our phones started ringing off the wall with our hotline calls, uh, with companies calling up and trying to figure out how they could move their people to a remote work environment if that was possible, how they could comply with the shutdown and essential business orders that were put in place, and most of all, how they could keep their employees safe and healthy um, at a time when nobody really knew uh, what was going on and how to be doing that. So that hotline must be a very good indicator of what's on employers' minds. Uh, what have what have the phone calls been like in the last few weeks, last few months? What kind of yeah, the hotline is a, a good indicator as to what people are dealing with as part of membership. Our members can call um, at any point and ask any kind of question. Um, really, over the last six months, um, the calls have still been related to the COVID situation and what's going on, what companies need to deal with from a legal and a regulatory standpoint, as well as a safety standpoint. 
um, very, very involved and the calls are very tied up in employee relations. Um, I will date myself. And when I started in human resources, everything was a policy. A company set a policy and then they lived with that policy and managed by that policy. And every employee um, was kind of governed by that policy. And now everything is individual um, because every situation is individual. Um, employees, um, some of them are working remotely, some of them are working in the office, some of them have young children at home, some of them have older adults at home that they're trying to cope with. So the hotline is really, these last few weeks has really been, how do I help my employee cope with this? How do I um, bring somebody back who has maybe traveled out of the state? Um, how do I help somebody that's dealing with um, young children at home, uh, trying to homeschool them or, or where their daycare has um, been closed? Um, so dealing with all of those challenges. So before we get to how they're answering those questions, who is answering these questions? Uh, I know I've asked you that question before. You've got a good staff of people over there. Tell us about these people who are answering these calls. Yeah, we have a we have a great staff. We have a great team of people. Um, we have six um, HR professionals. Um, two of them have a legal background. We are not a law firm. We do not practice law, um, but two of our employees do have a law background. But most of them are HR people that have um, fifteen to twenty years at a minimum of human resources experience. They've been out working in large companies, small companies, in just about every industry that you can imagine. And so they bring to uh, the hotline their experience and expertise, as well as what they're hearing from other employers. And so somewhat of the hotline, we get calls certainly asking, what can I do? How can I do this? But we also get calls that say, this is what I'd like to do. And can I do this? How can I make this work? What can I do um, without causing any problems? And so we, our, our hotline staff can serve as kind of a clearinghouse for ideas and suggestions that we can help pass along to other businesses. So in the beginning, and, and probably still now, I imagine a lot of the calls were about the office and working remotely and under what circumstances people could come back to the office or had to come back to the office. We're seven months into this pandemic now. What are your members telling you about working remotely, whether they, they still want to do this maybe after the pandemic is over? Are they, are they anxious to get people back into the office for all those reasons that you might expect that they might work better back in the office, that there's more camaraderie? What are you, what are you hearing? We're really hearing um, a mixed bag. Um, but for the most part, we are hearing that companies are looking to try to get their employees back into the office. Maybe not full time, maybe not five days a week, 40 hours a week, but trying to get them back into the office maybe two or three days a week if possible. Um, and really for a couple of the things that you just mentioned, George, what a lot of organizations are finding is when everything hit, they needed to make their employees remote. That was what they needed to do, certainly for the safety and health of their employees, as well as from a regulatory and a compliance standpoint um, in a lot of different areas. But most 
employers' cultures, communication systems weren't really set up to have everybody working remotely. And so what we're hearing and finding from a lot of employers now that have most of their employees working remotely is they're losing that cohesiveness that comes from people coming into the office. They're losing that that camaraderie, that um, that office environment um, that comes from, you know, kind of coming in and just kind of the little chit chat that happens. Um, you know, how was your weekend? Oh, it looks like you drowned coming in from the parking lot today. And what companies are finding is that when people are working remote, it's hard to keep up that camaraderie. Um, individuals that are outside of the office don't know what other people are dealing with. And so when they are calling employees or sending emails, they're doing it very directly. They're doing very business focused. They're not including the the personal touches that you get um, when people are in the office. Um, Some of our Members are working with some member, some employees in the office, and they don't always know what people are doing outside of the office. And so in a lot of the organizations, everything has become um, very business focused, very bottom line focused, which needs to be there. But you're losing or they're losing that culture and that communication So a lot of organizations are trying to work with individuals on how can I get you to come back to the office? Um, George, what are the things that are keeping you from coming into the office? What are your concerns? Why don't you want to come back into the office? Um, Let me explain to you the cleaning, the, the protocols, the disinfectant things that we're putting in place so that you feel more comfortable being here. Um, So a lot of it is around that culture and camaraderie. There certainly is some productivity concerns um, where organizations are beginning to realize that employees can't be homeschool teachers, um, caregivers, and employees and doing 40 hours of work there. Um, It's not realistic. And while organizations want to be sympathetic to that, there are certain productivity standards that they need to start putting in back into place. Is there any hard data on productivity? Um, I know there's been a lot of stories, a lot of reports. I don't know there's any hard data about whether people are more efficient at home, more efficient at the office. Anything that you're sharing with your members on this? Um, You know, I can find surveys that are going to tell you both sides of that. I can find survey data that um, is going to tell you that uh, employees working from home are more productive. uh, They're more dedicated. They are putting in longer hours. Um, And I can also find surveys that are showing that um, employees typically are not putting in the full 40 hours and aren't as productive because of the demands and the different things that come from the home life. What we're really talking to our employee employers about is that everything is individual and that you can find some employees, and I'm sure, George, on your staff, that you've got a couple of employees that probably work really well from home and are giving you more productivity, more reports, more content um, that you can be publishing and putting out there because they're truly focused. They don't have the demands or the um, interruptions that come from being in an office and they truly focus in and they get it done. 
Um, but I'm also sure that you've got a couple of employees, um, just like we do, who are trying to homeschool their children, um, might have a kindergartner or a second grader or even a high schooler there that needs some guidance, needs some help. Um, and it's hard to stay focused on what they need to do. Um, the other piece is that most employees, most employees' homes were never set up to have home offices. And so that ability to have a space that you can really carve out as your own and not be interrupted is difficult for a lot of employees. So I'm not sure that's really answering your question, but the survey data out there is really mixed um, and depends upon which, which survey you want to believe. Okay, this is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West, talking with Meredith Wise. She is the president of the Employers Association of the Northeast. We've been talking about COVID and issues and how the Employers Association has been trying to help employers across this region. You mentioned something interesting earlier uh, about how everything is individual now. Uh, that is different from the way things have been for a long time. I've had uh, employment law lawyers on this podcast. We've, we've talked to them over the years. They say the best protection that employers can have is a policy and to follow that policy. COVID is different. and But how can employers know that dealing with things individually is not going to get them into trouble down the line? You know, you let Bill work at home, but you're not letting... Sally work at home. You know, Sally and Bill can do this, but, you know, Pat and, and Kevin can't do that. Employers setting themselves up for trouble here and lawsuits down the road if they have policies that are not being followed. Um, they can be, yes. And, and that has been the um, kind of the, the difficulty with this whole situation. And it's one of the reasons why um, individuals that are in senior management and human resource positions are really having to get involved in situations that managers in the past might have been able to handle. Um, but a company really needs to be sure that they are making the decisions that they're making based on the reality of what they're dealing with and not with somebody's race, gender, color, creed, religion, family status. Um, so in the example that you were saying, are they letting Billy work from home um, because Billy is a nice guy, everybody kind of likes him, he's a male, and they think that he's going to be productive at home? And they're not letting Sally work from home because they know Sally's got two small children and might be um, interrupted with things. So are they doing it based on the family situation? When they take a step back and look at things, are they only letting their white employees work from home and they're not letting their minority employees work from home? They need to really be sure that the decisions that they're making are grounded in business reasons. Um, and that does get really touchy at the moment because while I say business reasons, it also comes down to being empathetic, um, that there may be employees that um, have been great employees, have family situations that they just need to be working from home at this point in time, but it's difficult to make that business case uh, for being able to work from home. So 
they are potentially setting themselves up for things. They really have to look at their rationale and why are they making the decisions that they're making and be sure that they're not colored by anything that could be seen as discriminatory. Interesting. When COVID first hit back in March, most people thought this was going to be for a couple of weeks, maybe for a couple of months. Uh, we're into October now. Many of the larger employers, especially the tech firms are keeping their employees home till next spring. Colleges are already announcing that online classes are going to be in place through next spring. Uh, we're looking at a real long haul here. Do you see fatigue setting in, battle fatigue, if you will, among some of these companies, among some of these employers, uh, as we're now stretching out to six, eight months, what could be a year by the time we're all done? What, what shape is this fatigue taking and how can you advise against this setting in? Um, yeah, the um, I like that term, battle fatigue. Um, that is definitely prevalent out there, um, both with employees, with management, um, with with everything in the business world. Because as you said, when we started this, it really was thought that we'll do this for a couple of weeks or, okay, we'll do it for a couple of months. Or, you know, at the end of the school year, everything will go back to what was familiar during the summer. And then, okay, at the end of the summer, come the fall, our kids will be back at school, we'll have everything back to normal. And that's not happening. Um, and there doesn't appear to be an end in sight. Um, and the companies and employees are getting tired of kind of this kicking the can down the road um, and are coming to realize that this could continue for another year uh, before um, there are any results or any change. So fatigue is definitely there. They're tired of coping with all of the ins and outs um, and all of the changes um, and the um, it, it's just happening in individuals' personal life as well as their business life, and that's really difficult to cope with. Um, some of our organizations are kind of are starting to pull themselves up by their bootstraps a little bit and are saying, okay, if we've got another year of this, um, we need to really kind of get our acting gear. We need to come back to our strategic plans. We need to come back to our um, goals and objectives, and we really need to evaluate what we can be doing and how we can be doing it and how we can get back on track. Um, we have to learn how to control the things that we can control and try to let go of those other things. Um, but that battle fatigue, that tiredness of dealing with things is definitely out there. Um, but we are seeing some organizations that are really kind of saying, okay, you know, we're tired of kicking the can down the road. We realize there isn't going to be an end. We're not going back to the familiar anytime soon. So what do we keep from our goals and objectives and our strategic plans from before? And what do we need to change or throw away um, or add new to them? Um, and those are the ones that are really starting to turn a corner um, and getting more of a handle on their business as well as their employee relations. So the Employers Association, uh, does that find itself in that same category? You're a business after all, and you've had to change your model a little bit. Do you wanna talk about that? 
Yeah, um, we have. Um, it's been something that I've been trying to push for a while. I, I don't want to say that I'm a control person, um, but I really like to feel like I have control over things, that I know where things are going and uh, can control our outcomes. And for a while in the spring, we really um, were feeling like, what can we do? Our, our business was cut. We did a lot of face-to-face -face training and we couldn't be doing any of that. Um, so it really did feel like the world was kind of out of our control. Um, but we have, as a lot of organizations have done, and I've come to maybe not like the word as much, we have pivoted, um, we've shown our agility, we've moved uh, most of our business to the virtual world. Um, as a lot of people have talked about, they're Zoomed out, um, but we've moved all of our training to virtual. Uh, we've moved a lot of our HR consulting to virtual. We're using the tech tools that are now available uh, to us and feel like we've gained control back over our destiny. So looking at kind of planning out the earlier this summer, planning out the last six months of the year, and this is going to be with us. So what can we do? And if this starts to come back, how can we handle that? So we have grabbed hold of that. We're doing our planning for 2021 um, and moving forward with that. Um, we are finding a mixed bag that's out there. Uh, mm -hmm. We have, we've moved all of our training to virtual, but we have started doing some face-to-face -face classes again, and we are finding that people are welcome and happy to come back into a classroom um, to have some live training. So we're we're working on, on doing all of that and making those changes. Okay, we'll continue. Good luck to you, and we'll Thank continue you. to keep monitoring that hotline. Um, I'm sure, like I said, it's a real good indicator of what's happening out there, so. Anyway, Meredith, thank you for joining us today. Uh, any last thoughts? Um, thank you very much for, for having me. Um, I just would say to businesses out there, you need to kind of grab hold and take charge of your destiny and get back on with your strategic plans. Um, so take care. Okay. Thank you very much. And thank you for being with us for another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. Happy to have you with us and we'll see you next time. Thank you.